Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of Running Partners. I'm Alison. And I'm Paul. We've had really brilliant reception to our first episode and I just want to say a really big thanks to all the amazing people who've commented uh, made suggestions and asked questions about the podcast. Um, it's been really um, amazing to get that feedback um, and that people are actually listening. It, it's fantastic. So um, we've had, like I say, some suggestions for different topics um, and we've also had some questions about us. So I just want to confirm, yes, we are married. We have been married for 15 years and we've got three boys there, 14, 11 and 8. And we also go running together. So that's about us. Yeah, so um, yeah. So thank you to everyone who's listened. As Alison said, we really appreciate it. And uh, so we have had some topic suggestions, which we asked for, um, which is fantastic. So um, Fiona asked, could we talk about nutrition? So we are going to pick that up today, actually. That's going to be the feature of today's episode. Uh, nutrition around racing and, and recovery and a bit of general nutrition as well. We'll get into um, reflecting our own experiences about that and, and how we found it. And then uh, Nigel asked about back pain, which, as uh, Alison said last week, something uh, she suffered with recently with sciatica um, so I think we'll probably do an episode about injuries in general and you know and the impact they can have and how you can kind of manage those with your running and then thanks as well to Claire who suggested we pick up uh, an episode about track running so Alison mentioned last week you, she goes to to track every week um, with the running club and I think so it'd be quite interesting to talk a bit about that and how you can integrate track into your running and you don't have to be kind of a lightning quick sprinter to feel that you can fit in at a track session so you know we're going to pick up that and how track can be beneficial to running and how you can get into that so so we've got three great topics lined up that we will pick up over the next uh, the next few weeks and keep those suggestions coming in. Right, so before we get into today's main topic, which is nutrition, we're just going to talk about our running this week. So we're going to do that every week, as we said. Um, and just to give you a flavour of how we're getting on as we kind of work towards our own goals. So, Alison, how has your running been going this week? Um, it's been OK. So I'm into week three, I think, of training for the Percy Pud 10K. So um, I did an easy run on Monday. And then I went to the track session on Tuesday where I got lots of uh, nice comments about the podcast. Um, uh, so at track we did 800, so I did five times 800. And um, I'm I'm kind of not as quick as I was, as I said last week. I've, I've lost a bit of pace, but I'm getting back up there. So um, it's quite a good way of monitoring how I'm improving, really, going to track and just seeing what my times are like. So... Um, I am getting there slowly so that's good so yeah I did track on Tuesday then Wednesday I did an easy run and I've still got my long run to do this week so um, and then it's cross country at the weekend so I'll be doing a cross country race so. so you'll be able to give us a race report next week of how that went yeah and then what's your how long is your long run going to be this week? Or have you, are you kind of still deciding that with cross-country coming up? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think um, 
the training plan that I'm following is time-based. So I think last week it was about 11 miles, so it might be a bit longer, but I think I will do that as well as cross-country because I have, I think I'll have a day in between. So, um, yeah. It's, it's probably worth revealing the training plan was one that I, I've sort of had a go at, at drafting for you for, yeah. for this uh, for this yeah, phase so. of your training. So when it all goes wrong, uh, you can blame me. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, fantastic. So it sounds like a good week. It really, I'll be interested to hear how you enjoy cross country. Mentioned it a bit last week. Uh, it can be really enjoyable and satisfying it can also be really hard it's really hard (laughs) it's hard uh um yeah so the ground either seems to be a complete mud bath or frozen solid so looking at the weather it'll probably be more of the mud bath than the frozen solid at this time of year um okie doke brilliant are you going to talk about your week yes yeah so so my week of running has been kind of a bit mixed actually so uh so i've done i've done Three easy runs so far this week. So again, typically about an hour um, and just kind of running probably anything around about eight, eight minute mile pace. So covering kind of anything between seven and eight miles on those runs. Um, and they're all on Strava. So uh, if you want to have a look at this stuff, you're more than welcome to it. Um, just search me up. It's Paul Griffiths on, on Strava and all the runs are on there. Um, I did do one sort of interval session on Monday um which is probably a bit of a mistake really so i'd i'd on, on i had a busy weekend like i'm sure lots of people do so i'd done a run early sunday morning at seven o'clock with a friend mark and we'd we'd done 10 miles and then i've been involved in in kids football after that then we went on a bike ride after that and then i play football in the evening for a 11 a side team which i've joined i'm trying to recapture my youth of 11 a side football and then it was kind of late at night I was like watching a match of the day too, sipping on a Bailey's and I came up with this kind of idea that, oh, I've got a bit of time on my hand on Monday. I know what I'll do. I'll do my kind of workout, get my session in on a Monday because I knew I was doing a a training course uh, later in the week. So I was a bit tied up work wise. I I knew I had Monday free. I thought, right, get it in my head. I'll do this session. Um, but But it wasn't great. And I wonder if a combination of tiredness alcohol and too much activity the day before probably didn't help me perform at my best so um so I'd intended to do um about an hour and a half with with about 40 minutes of easy running and and kind of about 35 minutes of of um of uh, interval sessions in there all at around about six minutes six minutes 15 mile pace I, I was a bit slower than that and it felt like a real effort and it was one of those sessions where I kind of stopping a lot and more than I should have been. So I was taking more time uh, to rest than I should have. And, and I guess on reflection, I probably didn't get the best out of the run that I could have. And I guess sometimes it's that balance between deciding you're going to do something and th- and then thinking, actually, this isn't, you know, aborting it and saving it for another day. And I kind of, on reflection, I, pr- I probably should have done that. And I, if I'd have done the session a bit later in the week, I'd have, uh, I'd have probably been a bit better off. But... Uh, you live and learn so um so that's where i've been and then i also going to try and do a long run um over the ne- over the weekend uh 
probably around about two hours. Again, probably kind of a half and half, half at an easy, easy pace, half at about kind of marathon pace to sort of build up to the half marathon that I've got in a few weeks time. So, uh, yeah, so that's my running for this week. Brill, thanks. Sounds like a good week of running so far. Thank you. Um, so we'll move on to the, our main topic for today. So as we said, Fiona's asked for um, a topic of nutrition. So we thought we'd just get on and, and do that straight away. It's quite an interesting topic. Um, so I think that for the longer distances, nutrition can be really important, can't it? So um, it, we will touch upon the shorter distances sort of half marathon 10k and 5k but I thought it might be interesting just to kind of reflect on my experiences of nutrition for the marathon so um it's not always gone right for me during a marathon but I've learned a few different things that work for me over the five road marathons that I've done and are you gonna so you're gonna talk us through a bit of that Alison and also just when we're talking about nutrition I guess well, you'd be talking about gels and drinks and different things like that that you've tried. Yeah, that sort of thing. But also what I eat before the marathon and what I found works. So, okay. yeah. So um, what I found works for me is having porridge. I know that's quite a um, a common thing that people tend to have and I don't really have it any other time other than before a race. But what I found is that having porridge and maybe peanut butter... Um, and maybe a banana um, is really a good start for me for a, a race breakfast. And so you're talking about on race day itself. Yeah. And what kind of how, what, what, how long before would you have that? Well, I think I've worked out that I've got maybe quite a slow metabolism. So I think that I need quite a long time to digest food, which is good in terms of endurance training because I don't tend to get hungry on too too hungry on long runs but I do need probably around two to three hours before a race to have my breakfast and, and digest that and given most races start at typically not nine in the morning isn't it for marathon yeah. something maybe half nine ten at the latest if it's some of the bigger ones if you're in a later wave it might be a bit later but so that means like early start then getting up at six or something like that yeah yeah it does mean getting up early which as you know is not not my strong suit getting out of bed so it is a bit of a stretch to get me out of bed but I do need to kind of have that two to three hour window to to kind of digest that food so uh, with the porridge I would have a coffee I definitely need my coffee just to uh you know kind of get things moving if you know what I mean um and also uh probably have about five mil of water at that point and um, so I'm, I'm quite well hydrated 500 mil sorry yeah five, yeah. five mil yeah, a not, teaspoon not of water, water. <laughs> enjoy your teaspoon of water yeah. fuel you through a marathon yeah 500 mil um yeah so that's what i would have for my breakfast and co- just coffee is interesting because there are there is evidence to suggest caffeine can have a beneficial effect on for running but also caffeine's not for everyone either, is it? So some mm. you know, it can have a negative effect on some people. So um but yeah, it does it it works for me, it kinda of wakes me up and gets me going in the morning. Yeah, so 
after that, I would go along to the race. So I don't know if, if you're doing a... So, for example, London Marathon, if you're staying in a hotel or something, then you have to go and get your your train to somewhere and get, get to the start line. And once I'm at the start line, it's usually a good sort of couple of hours before the race um so plenty of time to furiously search for toilets and wait yeah. for lots of goes of the toilet before yeah, the race yeah. starts okay um so i'd like to sort of finish i'd have another drink maybe an isotonic drink and i've finished drinking that about an hour and 45 before the start and i've worked out that i need to do that otherwise i need to go for a wee during the during race. the race which is something that i don't really want to do it's not um, you know, it's not the end of the world, but I don't want to be thinking about that. And it so, breaks your momentum when you're into mm. your running stride, particularly in the first like hour of the race or something like that. The last thing you want to be doing is having to stop unnecessarily, I guess. Isn't yeah. It? So if I finish that one hour 45 before the start, so it might be drinking that on the train on the way there or, or whatever, um, then that's usually okay. 30 to 60 minutes before the start I might have something else like a banana or a nut bar or something like that so um it's kind of plenty of carbs maybe a little bit of protein but I think my understanding is that prior to a race it's more sort of carbs that that you you need really so that's kind of before the race is that sort of similar to what you would do it's probably more actually I'm um, I tend to have, well, maybe similar. I probably have a couple of pieces of toast with probably some jam or something um, and an energy drink, similar, all of that within the sort of window. Of, I'm, I probably do a bit closer. I'm probably within a couple of hours between, uh, from the start of the race, work back a couple of hours, have some food and the drink maybe an hour before. I also got to be careful with how much I drink because... Um, otherwise I'll be needing the toilet a lot in the first kind of half of the race which I, d- I don't really like um, so yeah probably quite quite similar and I must admit in the in the past I've, I've sometimes not had anything before races or before long training runs which has definitely been a mistake and the reason for that is I've, it, it requires a bit of practice because the other sensation you don't want to be starting off is is full. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, or because suddenly you could have a lot of food in your system. Uh, you start running and you, and you feel it all all jumbling around and you're already kind of got that nervous energy and that anxiety and stress from the race because you're excited and the, you sort of the adrenaline's flowing. So you add into that over overeating before the start mm-hmm. of the race and it can cause some problems. So... I'm probably a bit less practiced to be honest I'm trying to work out what works for me to give me the right amount of energy for the start of the race um but also kind of make helps me feel good and feel like light and strong and fresh yeah Yeah, I think yeah I mean I I mentioned that I've had some disasters in the past and the last marathon that I did at Boston that sort of happened to me I ended up eating too near to the start and it all kind of stemmed from um, the hotel breakfast buffet? <laughs> no, not quite. I was quite restrained at the hotel breakfast buffet, but I had to be up really early because I had to go to um, the start. So I had to go to Boston, um, the c- central Boston, and get the buses that were all lined up um, to the start of the race, um, which is in a place called... 
We'll, we'll 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 find that, but it's a long a long bus journey away, is it? Yeah. So um, yeah, I've forgotten what the the place is. Hopkin Hopkinton, I think it's called. So you get a, a bus all the way there, and I thought, well, you know, obviously it must be twenty six miles away, so it won't take that long. But it just took an inordinate amount of time, and I got on the bus needing a wee. So by the time that I got to the start in Hopkinton. I was absolutely desperate for a wee and the lines for the toilets were just absolutely horrendous. So I couldn't really drink any more and I couldn't eat anything because I was so desperate for the loo. And it took nearly to the time when I had to go to the start line before I got through the queue um, and um, got uh, been to the, the portaloo. So um, I ended up sort of, eating a banana very quickly, downing the rest of the drink that I had um, really close to the start. Um, and it was really probably a really bad idea. I should have just kind of, you know... Not chucked, bothered. Yeah, just yeah. not bothered and, and started the race. Gels. But mm. um, So what happened was that I needed a wee at mile six. I felt sick as I started off and it just wasn't great. So lesson learned there. And so then... So that's so that's so we've talked a bit about what we do before the race. We're talking specifically about a marathon. We'll talk about all the distances in a minute or two. But then during the race, what's your so lot lots of people will have gels. What's mm. your strategy? Do you rely on gels during the race to keep your kind of carb levels and your energy levels up? Yeah, I mean I've always been a bit sort of dubious about gels. I don't really like them, but I think over the years and over the experiences of of doing several marathons I think I've come to terms with the, the fact that I do need to take the gels so um I tend to take about four really in reality and have like five on me um but I've gone through all the different brands and things and I've I've tried SI uh is it SIS, SIS yeah. um I've tried these goo gels, which are absolutely delicious. They're like desserts, but um, it uh, it kind of the sweetness is is can overcome you if you're taking too many. Um, and I've I've the last couple of races I've used Morton gels, and at Boston Marathon they were the gels that were sort of available to you as well. Um, so I've tended to take about four, but I think that. Um, it's recommended you take more than that, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've also tried Morton's. Other brands are available. But it, the, the if you kind of read the, the science, it's sort of saying, well, you need, you know, something like 60 to 80 grams of carbs per hour of running whilst doing a marathon. So that might translate into probably like three gels an hour. So you're talking a gel every 20 minutes. For me, that... I I think I struggle to stomach that and the sweetness and the, um, you know, maybe it's practice. I'm not doing enough practice or enough marathons to know that, but I do find it, it, it I struggle with that volume of carbs. And also, you know, there's the, the practical elements. You've got to then be carrying like eight, ten gels on you. So you've got a belt or some shorts or somewhere you can accommodate those. So that's one thing to think about. And also I think there's a there's a kind of um element of remembering to do that during the race and and kind of integrating it into your flow of running because 
as soon as you start taking a gel that interrupts your breathing then usually you're thinking oh like that you want to get a drink as well so mm-hmm. you have to stop and get a drink so all these things kind of go through your mind whilst mm-hmm. you whilst you're doing the marathon I've so I've tended the most I've took in a marathon is five um I, I'd probably I'm going to try a bit more what I don't tend to do which I perhaps should do more is when I'm doing long runs, so anything like two hours or more in the build-up to a marathon is practice with gels, and 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 that is something I'm going to be a bit more deliberate about. Partly to get used to to taking them during the race, but also partly to see if they have an have an impact and help me improve my times during training. Do you? What do you do during training? Are you do you carry gels with you and try them out? I have done, but um, like I say, I don't. I'm, I've not been really convinced by gels until sort of the last couple of years, really. So, but I do think that they are needed, really, if you if you want to not feel terrible at about eighteen miles in a marathon. So, I have been taking them on training runs and just to get used to taking them. Um, I know lots of people find that they make them make you feel mm. sick during the race so I think that if you do practice on your training runs it can Helps. help it can help with that help get your stomach used to it it kind of when I had the last marathon I did in in Leeds that I mentioned last week when I had been taking the gels and I was taking them about every 30 minutes so and I was aiming for three hours it took me longer than that it took me about three hours 15 in, in the end so but by and I I was hoping that I wouldn't get to that sort of 20 mile point and feel terrible but it like I still felt terrible, and I started then blade. I was sort of became sort of um, you know annoyed with the gels that they'd <laughs> not had the the impact I wanted. Mm. Whereas the reality is, I think it's the training, it's the mindset, it's the course, and everything that is makes the difference. Things like the gels, the shoes, all this stuff is like the added extras that will help, but they're not the fundamentals of 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 running. So I think. You know, that's a, a lesson for me is, you know, it's perhaps the training that matters as much. But if you can help yourself feel good in the training with the gels, then maybe that's something to something to work on. So we talked quite a lot about in-race nutrition uh, for marathons, but clearly there's lots of other distances um, than that, Alison. So what's your experience, particularly around like shorter races, half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks? Well, I think I've tended not really to think about um, having gels and things during those shorter races but I would probably stick with the same sort of breakfast um, and then I know that um, there's there's some evidence um, around you know, only needing to have gels or, or nutrition during a race if you've been running for more than 90 minutes so maybe in a half marathon depending on how long you you expect to be running um, take a, a gel one gel or maybe two and I think you probably need to take it sort of 30 to 45 minutes before you think you need it don't you really so I think probably in a half marathon you might want to take a couple of gels if depending on how long you think you're going to take um I've never really taken anything during a 10K and I think that for 5 and 10K, I think people sometimes say they take gels before, so 30 minutes before the race. But I think I'd be it'd be difficult to, when you're sort of running at that pace, to be taking gels is really difficult. So I think that it it can play a part and I think it depends on personal preference, doesn't it really? I know, there, I know I've got friends that do take gels during halves and 
um I don't think I I have ever have but um you no, know I, th- I think your point about timing is important because sometimes if you wait till you think you need the gel it's almost a bit too mm-hmm. late because your 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 energy stores are running out and therefore there's a delay obviously built into the fact you take the gel it has to get into your system and give you the energy that you need for the remainder of the race so that's that is important to think about particularly in a in a half marathon so if you get to mile 10 11 you think oh i'm really you know the last last two three miles it's hard i'll take a gel the actual impact of that gel might not really kick in until you finish the race so 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 that's worth again it's all of these things are personal and that you need to experiment a little bit with them so there's a there's you can read so much information on on it and how many carbs you need how many gram how many calories and all this sort of stuff but the reality is you got to work out what works for you by like practice Mm. in training and races yeah, and um, one thing that I didn't mention that um, I found in races is that there is a bit of a difference between caffeine gels and non-caffeine gels. So um, I made a mistake in the past of taking too many caffeine gels and then feeling a bit weird. So I think that um, I would alternate those gels. So that was just one thing that I forgot to mention for, for sort of those longer races. So I think we've probably done done the the marathon and the yeah. nutrition to death there. So um, there's then there's recovery drinks, mm. but also what about ultra races yeah. that you've got, had more experience of those, haven't you? I have, yeah. So I'll say a little bit about recovery drinks, but I'm no expert at all, so I won't I won't say a lot. But there's there's the kind of common wisdom seems to be that if you've done a race or a particularly tough workout. Uh, you know, in interval sessions or a long run or something like that, there's benefits to taking a recovery drink immediately. And they tend to be a ratio of carbs to protein of around uh, three to one. And, the, and that's designed to immediately replenish your energy source and help your muscle repair. So, uh, the, and there's loads of different ones you can get. And they're generally powdered drinks. You can get um, ones that are dairy-based, vegan ones as well. I've tried some of the ones that are, I think it's based with pea protein, uh, some of the vegan ones, um, and like I find them really difficult to stomach. I, I, it, to the point where I felt it, they've made me feel sick after doing a race, and I, but I felt like oh, I need to have the recovery drink. So it, something that I really struggle to work with. But there are, you know, for if you can stomach them, there's some benefits to them because they can really help your post-race recovery. So again. As all these things, it's worth kind of experimenting, having a look what's out there and seeing if they work for you and testing them over time to see if they help you recover. Um, so I didn't want to say any more any more than that. Okay, so, um, so I'm going to say a little bit about food for ultras, but I think we're going to have a future episode kind of specifically around ultras. So I'm sure we'll pick up a bit more of this then. So for ultramarathons, and the definition of an ultramarathon is any distance over over a marathon, um, and but it but it, they can go up to a hundred mile a hundred miles plus. And I've tried a few at different distances: forty miles, fifty, sixty, uh, even up to a hundred and uh, hundred and fourteen, as I mentioned last week. Um, the kind of nutrition becomes really different, I suppose. So. For me, I couldn't rely on like gels and energy drinks for something that I know might take me 12 hours, 50, 60 miles, perhaps up and down hills with lots of kind of walking in, interspersed with running. So I've tried like real food, like sandwiches, pizza, crisps and all this sort of stuff. Um, and 
what I've found generally is that any it, within the first six, seven hours of a longer distance race, so anything that might take you 10 hours or more, that real food can work pretty well and you actually want it and it's quite nice. The practicalities around it are different. So can you carry some of that food yourself? Can you meet someone who might be in a car who can pass you some of that food? And and it can be a good source of energy and it can be a bit different just having sugary-based things. Um, what I've found as time goes on during these long races, it becomes really difficult to stomach anything. So the importance is kind of stocking up early, keeping your energy topped up as early as possible while you can stomach the food is really important. I remember um, when I did uh, the Hardmore's 110-mile race, um, towards the end of that race I was completely like spent I could only drink I could I could only manage drinks so I was trying to have coke because it was like calories in it or Lucozade at one point I, I couldn't even swallow a paracetamol that I was trying to take so I got some pain and I ended up sort of being sick and it was like it was really really grim and the, but that was after probably about 18-19 hours on the go and that that sort of combination of food in my stomach and constant uh, blood flow around my stomach and sorry taken away from my stomach to my muscles so you've not got the you're not digesting food in the normal way became really problematic for me so um i have got a friend mark who i helped on an ultra uh, a few weeks ago and he relied pretty much solely on gels for the course of a what took him about 12 hours a 60 mile race he had about 30 gels or something like that now i wouldn't recommend that to to anyone i'm not sure how he could manage it but that that's again this it just shows that personal preference is key here so he's worked out that works for him versus having real food so he took he made some sandwiches but we just took them home and they went in the bin so he never touched those during the whole of the whole of the race um yeah anything yeah. you want to add around well, ultras i think I'm not I've not done as many ultras as as Paul I've only I think I've only ever actually done one race that was an ultra it was a 30 mile sort of peak district race that was up and over Wind Hill a few times wasn't it that we did that together actually it was my 40th birthday present from Paul mm. so that was nice um who doesn't want a birthday present to run a 30 mile yeah, ultra yeah so that that was probably that's a bit of a different kettle of fish to the the 100 mile races but um I was Paul's runner um for one of those 110 mile races um for the second half of the race so I ran it was nearly 60 miles with him o overnight so I do I kind of say I you know I've done 60 miles so um obviously I was fresh when I set off in the evening to run all the way through to lunchtime the next day but um I do remember kind of eating all the pizzas and thinking it was great mm, to have all the pizzas stuff. the sweets the chocolates and everything and at one point I was only about sort of 17 miles into um accompanying Paul and helping him out and I thought I was gonna have to drop out because I'd I'd eaten too much and then I felt really sick so I think it's it's a bit of a fine balance I was really sort of I was really fading and I thought well this is this is terrible because mm. I've still got 40, still got about 42 miles to run or something, 43 miles, maybe more. So it is a bit of a balance, isn't it, to kind of make sure that you're eating enough, yeah. but it's almost a bit little and often for ultras, I think. Yeah, I mean, ultras 
give this impression of a sort of um, a moving buffet that mm. you sort of move through the countryside <laughs> every 10 miles, tuck into a, a buffet of sweet treats, mm. pizzas, crisps, fill yourself up and then it's another 10 miles, you go on to the... So, you know, and I think that's probably not too far from the truth in no. some ways. So, so uh, you know, if you've not tried an ultra and you like buffets, go for it. <laughs> Okie doke. So I think probably... That's all we're going to cover on nutrition today. So hopefully some useful stuff around pre-race nutrition, in-race nutrition, particularly around long distances and a bit about ultras. And like I say, we'll, I think particularly on ultras, we'll pick that up in a, in a, in, in future episodes. So I think there's just a couple of more things we wanted to mention before we finish up today. Yeah, I just wanted to say well done to everyone that did Chester Marathon um, and they all did really well. So there was a couple of, of people from our running club, Hillsborough and Rivlin Running Club, that did that. So I think Dan and Michael did that, didn't they? Yeah. So well done, Fantastic. guys. Yeah. Really good. Um, also Chicago Marathon. So um, one of our neighbours, as he was in Boston when I did it in April, and then he did Berlin a few weeks ago, and he did Chicago as well and managed to do a PB, so that's Risney, so he's Fantastic. amazing, yeah, yeah, brilliant. And also, obviously, there was another world record. So. Another, and, yeah, and we managed to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, managed um, to find a link. Yeah, so uh, Kelvin Kiptum, just over two hours, two hours, 13, 39 seconds, I think, something around that. So he took about 30 seconds off the previous world record and it feels like kind of a key baton changing moment mm. from um Kipchoge to Kiptum I think you know remains to be seen but and it and it and then it makes you think oh is the kind of sub two hour um record achievable in race conditions obviously Kipchoge did it but it doesn't count as an official world record because it was a paced race with all the the additional helpers running and the and the line on the road and all that sort of thing so so like really interesting and did you see what shoes he was wearing Nike they were Nike so I so and then Nike revealed afterwards all kind of a lot of secrecy around it but presumably in the interests of marketing they revealed afterwards that they are the Alpha Fly 3 shoes and they're going to be commercially available next year, 2024, for normal runners. So you've got a few months to start saving your pennies if you want a pair of those to be on the race line for uh, some of the, probably the uh, spring marathons. I'm sure if you'll look around, you'll see people either wearing those or the Adidas ones or people wearing their original Alpha Flies that they've only ever used for like one, like me. I've got a pair that I've had for about three years that I've used for two races. So I'm, you know, I'm protecting the carbon plates to by actually not wearing them at all. So... <laughs> So I'll be, I'll be, I'll make those last years uh, with the number of races that I do. So, so brill. So I think, are we pretty much I think done that's for, it for today? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it so. for today. Just again, real big thanks to everyone that's listened and, and given nice comments and keep coming with the feedback. It's really helpful. And if you want us to talk about any particular topics, that would be great too. Running partners at outlook.com is our email. Um, and you can get in touch with us anytime and find us on on Instagram and Strava as well and connect with us that way. So as Alison says, keep keep the ideas coming and we'll keep trying to pick some of the topics up and talk about them each week. Yep. Yeah. All right. See you soon. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening to Running Partners. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a rating or review, tell your friends and help us build the Running Partners community. You can email us at runningpartners@outlook.com with any comments, questions, feedback or topics you want us to discuss on future episodes. You can find us on Instagram at 26.2 and Gris Running and we're also on Strava and all the links are in the show notes. See you soon for the next episode of Running Partners.